The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off of your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN. And then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. And there's still time. We're also brought to you by our Kentucky Derby Contest. Winner gets a $100 SGPN gift card exclusively on the SGPN app. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Saturday, May the 6th, currently 11.07 on the East Coast. Here to recap what we saw in the NBA playoffs on Friday night and handicap the two games on the schedule. On Saturday, we have the Miami Heat hosting the New York Knicks in Game 3, as well as the Los Angeles Lakers hosting the Golden State Warriors in Game 3 as well. But joining me to help me break it all down, you guys know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, the WNBA Gambling Podcast, and of course here on the NBA Gambling Podcast, it's Scott Studio Rochelle. Scott, what's going on, my man? Man, nothing much. Uh, looking forward to going through the games today. Uh, had a good day yesterday. Ended up sweeping the lock and dog. Had the Celtics minus two and a half as my lock, which I can't really say it was never in doubt, but Boston led for the majority of the game. So that yeah. worked out pretty well. And then I had Jokic triple-double at plus 280. I wasn't sure how realistic it was because the assists haven't been there, but anytime you can give me Jokic triple-double at plus 280 when it's been hovering even money for the entire season – I'm going to take that. And he yeah. had 30, 17, and 17. It was really just an insane stat line for Jokic. But either way, I ended up sweeping. Uh, nice job for the Suns to get the job done by winning the game. But for the most part, the games went the way that I thought they would and ended up sweeping. So can't complain. Yep. And also joining us here on the NBA Gambling Podcast. He's in playoff mode. It's playoff Lante. Lante, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Not much, man. Doing pretty good. Looking forward to the to the games today. Uh, had a good night, like Scott said, like Scott uh, mentioned last night. I had a good night as well. Um, nothing really surprised me, uh, but looking forward to just putting that behind us and getting some more winners on the board today. Yeah, I think we all had a good day yesterday. I had a good day in the uh, NBA as well. Uh, MLB was good as well. So hopefully we can carry that uh, momentum into the Saturday uh, games here for the association. But Guys mentioned it last night, uh, two games on the schedule. Boston gets the job done uh, in Philly. Uh, They take a two games to one lead uh, over the Philadelphia 76ers. They get the dub last night uh, on the road in Philly. The final score came out to be 114 to 102. Uh, Game... Barely gets over the total. I know it was hovering around 215 most of the day. I think it closed around 213 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you had the over, you want to probably send a thank you present to Tyrese Maxey for fouling for no reason. Um, and then Malcolm Brogdon puts the two free throws in to send that game over the total. Um, another subpar game for James Harden last night, I guess we can say. Uh, that, I mean, that's I the word we're going to use. <laughs> he was terrible. Let's just say that. And okay. I think I mentioned this as well as that he left everything out on the floor in game one. And after that, like you just knew that he was, he was going to be bad, but 
He did have 11, 11 assists in the game, but he finished up the game three of 14 from the floor. The last two games, games two and three, he's been atrocious uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, did finish up with 16 points, 11 assists, like I mentioned. MB did bounce back um, after kind of shaking off the rust in game two. Uh, was only nine of 19 from the floor, but did go 11 of 12 from the free throw line and an incredible stomp of the face of Grant Williams last night. Uh, finished up with 30 points, 13 rebounds, and that was pretty much it. Not much else for the uh, Philly side. De'Anthony Milton, again, chipped in with 14 points. He was 4 of 7 from the three-point line. Uh, more importantly for the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum bounced back uh, nicely for them after having <clears throat> excuse me, a rough game too. 43 minutes last night, 10 of 20 from the floor. 27 points, another 23-piece from uh, Jalen Brown last night, and all five starters for the Boston Celtics were in double figures last night. And then Malcolm Brogdon, as usual, off the bench, chips in with 15 points for the Boston Celtics. Uh, Lante, I'll start with you. Any takeaways from last night between the Celtics and the Sixers? Yeah, I just thought the Sixers didn't play with enough energy after that first quarter. Uh, the first quarter, they actually got down, but got to credit Boston because they made – like, I think they started six for six from the field, four for four from three, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. a lot of those were contested. Um, so I don't give I don't give Philly a lot of slack for that because um, they were at least trying to defend it. Boston was just rolling at that point. But after the first quarter, when they came back and took the lead, I think it was 27, 26 um, when they took the lead. I didn't see much energy from them outside of Embiid. I mean, Maxi didn't even look like himself. I think he got. He's probably off the hook a little bit because of Harden, how how uh, poorly Harden played. But I thought Maxi has to be better. Melton looked extremely good. Um, I thought nobody else gave him anything other than uh, Embiid and Melton, and I think that's a problem. Uh, as far as the the Boston side, I mean, they just looked like they wanted it more. They were they were more involved with loose balls. They were uh, more like frisky with diving on the floor. Um, so I credit them, and Grant Williams was a a good piece to that. He played really good on Embiid, uh, crowding his space. Uh, so I thought he played well. Didn't you know necessarily translate to the box score, but I thought some of the things that he did helped them out a lot because they weren't able to double. Um, yeah. And I think Robert Williams being out, uh, I guess we'll talk about that later, but not sure how that affects him going forward or how serious it is, but I know he didn't play most of that second half with that uh he had a wrap on his arm if I'm not mistaken but yeah man I thought it played out pretty I guess I expected the Boston to win but I didn't think that they would dominate I thought they dominated the game um and even with Embiid playing as well as he did I just I don't think he's still quite there yet because he's quite missing he's just missing a few steps on double teams and going a little bit too later uh turning the ball over but I think that starts with Harden too um but overall Nothing too much to take away from. I thought it played played out pretty much how I envisioned it. I think there's two points in the game where I kind of thought that the Sixers were going to lose the game. Number one was that fourth quarter lineup that Doc Rivers put out there. He had Maxi Harrison, Embiid all on the bench to start that fourth quarter. He did have James Harden in there, but Harden was having a very bad shooting game, at least over the last two games. He's combined five of 28 from uh, from the field in the last two games. He's two of 13 um, from beyond the arc over the last two games. So uh, I think that was an area uh, where I think the Sixers really were going to fall behind. I know Niang made a couple of shots there to kind of keep him hanging around, but could have been a different story if he would have started with Harris with 
or Maxi with Harden uh, in that fourth quarter. Um, Scott, takeaways from last night between Sixers and the Celtics. I didn't really have many takeaways because the game went the exact way that I thought it was going to. I said on the air that I don't think Philly's going to win another game in the series. I think when Boston's engaged and they're actually focused, which I know is a little bit impossible for that team to stay focused, they're the much better team. Like I, I don't think Philly's that yeah. talented of a basketball team. You have Embiid, who was solid last night. He was he looked healthier than I thought he was going to look, except nobody else showed up. Harden couldn't shoot, and Maxi couldn't shoot. And that was basically the story of the game. And you had Tatum, who played well. Jalen Brown played well. And the supporting cast for Horford, who was really good in three, shout out to him. And the other guys, I just think it's a better supporting cast. But the real story for me in the game was the fact that I just think that Philly's supporting cast isn't that great. And as you continue to look at how these teams match up, I think Boston's a really bad matchup for this team because they can stretch the floor. They have a stretch five with Horford who can actually hit some shots now again. Yep. And once again, I don't think Philly's that talented of a team. I think they were quite fortunate to face off against the Nets in the first round. And I think the Nets were probably the worst team in the field of all the Eastern Conference teams, especially after how good uh, Atlanta and Miami looked in the first round. So I wasn't going to overreact to Philly sweeping in the first round. Going into the series, I thought that you'd end up seeing the Celtics win in five. Now, I didn't think Philly would win game one without Embiid, but I still think they're going to win in five. I just think Boston's a bad matchup, and if Boston truly cares and if they're focused, I really don't see many, I'd say, alternative play styles or strategies that you can end up using if you are Philly. I just think Philly has to play through Embiid at this point, and that's not good enough. So I'm going to go with Boston to win the series in five because – I feel like Philly's kind of out of adjustments. Doesn't it feel that way? It feels like they're kind of stuck playing one way and they're just hoping it works out. Yeah, it's just really that hard. It has to be better. I mean, he, you know, great game one. And Maxi, but mostly hard. Yeah, mostly hard, right? But I think you got to, you, those two guys have to at least contribute a combined 40 to 45 points for this, you know, team outside of Embiid to have a chance to win this series. I think Philly squeaks out one more game in this series, but I, I still do think Boston advances uh, because like you mentioned that when they are focused and that's a huge question mark for this Boston team sometimes because we saw it in round one without DeJounte Murray. We saw it in game one of this series as well. I think they'll they'll have a lapse in the moment and I think that Philly can steal one here, one more. Maybe it's probably game four, um, you know, in Philly on their home court that they get. But I, I, I do think that they will all agree that Boston should advance. Uh, into the Eastern Conference Finals. So, well, that was kind of my takeaway for Game Three. Was that I once again I said you cannot assume Boston's going to stay focused. Yeah, but since they lost home court advantage and they needed to win a road game, and you also had Tatum in the building, who thinks he deserved some series MVP consideration. He did not, but he thinks he did in his own mind. Yeah, and the whole team's sitting there watching Embiid give his MVP thank you speech. Mm-hmm. There might have been an extra chip on their shoulder in that game. Sure. Yeah. I agree. Um, all right. Before we get to the second game of the night, uh, let me tell everyone about uh, Shady Rays and Shady May. Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN. For Shady May, not only do you get an amazing 50% off, but you also have a chance to win 500 big ones. Shady Rays has you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is back, 
by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. And if you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. So go to ShadyRays.com, use promo code SGPN for 50% off of two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Then take your receipt, go to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win $500 as part of the Shady May Contest. All right, guys, second game of the night. Last night we saw the Phoenix Suns uh, win on their home floor in game three, 121-114, uh, led by their two superstar players, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Uh, Devin Booker finished the game last night, 20 of 25 from the floor. That's right. 20 of 25 from the floor. <laughs> he shot 80% finished the game with 47 points. And that was only off of two free throws, which were the last two free throws of the game where he got fouled icing the game uh, for the Phoenix sun. So an incredible performance from Devin Booker last night, Kevin Durant got off to a slow start. I think he was like one of eight to start the floor, but he adjusted his game, and they they really needed him last night. He started attacking the basket. He got to the free throw line, hit some clutch shots in that fourth quarter for the uh, Phoenix Suns. He finished his game with 39 points, uh, 12 of 31 from the floor, 14 of 16 from the uh, free throw line. He did also contribute with nine rebounds and eight assists. Um, on the flip side, like you know uh, Scott mentioned, Jokic finishes up with a massive triple-double, 30 points, 17 rebounds and 17 assists. Uh, Jamal Murray, down the stretch, guys, and we'll get into it in a second, but he was gassed. I mean, you could tell. There was a mm-hmm. timeout that was all around, I think, like three minutes left or four minutes left, and he had his hands on his knees. He was absolutely gassed, and after that, he put up a couple shots that either were short or, or he didn't knock down. You could just tell the fatigue was getting to him, but in a desperate situation, the two best players for the um, Phoenix Suns stepped up last night. They combined for 86 of the 121 points last night. I think the bigger conversation for the Phoenix Suns is that they haven't they haven't gotten anything from DeAndre Ayton. I don't know who's been worse in this playoffs, has it or in this uh, round of second round has it been James Harden or has it been DeAndre Ayton? But it's got to uh, be Ayton because at least yeah. Harden had a 45 point game. Yeah. So. Uh, Scott, take us away here. Any, anything from last night uh, that stuck out to you, obviously, with the two performances from the superstar players, but a big win for the Suns last night. Well, this was another game where, even though I might have gotten the result somewhat wrong leading to Denver, I did think that Phoenix was probably going to win a game in this series, but I didn't really learn much because I said after game one that if Phoenix wants to win, they need Booker and KD to probably combine for about 75 points yeah. and they combined for north of 80 and they mm-hmm. won the game. So I didn't really learn anything. I just saw Booker hit a bunch of shots. Durant only went 12 of 31 from the four, but as you said, he adjusted his style and he ended up going to the foul line a lot. He was basically the only Phoenix Sun to actually attempt free throws for a decent portion of the game, which was kind of funny, but much, I didn't yeah. learn much. You saw yeah. Booker and Durant take over the game. The supporting cast still was not good. Shout out to Jock Landell, though, gave them some good minutes off the bench uh, since they didn't really have Aiton focused, and I think Aiton only scored four points in the game. But Mm -hmm. Landell played well. Maybe he'll get more minutes. Campaign pushed the pace. I know Coach Malone mentioned that in the postgame presser. He didn't exactly shoot the ball well, but at least they played faster with Chris Paul being injured. You know it's a bad sign when, like, SVP and the people that are recapping the game 
are reading off the bench. And like, you know, Terrence Ross, five points. I'm like, you're you're really bragging about five points right now. Like, that's how bad Phoenix's bench is. That's how bad the bench is. We're bragging about five points from any bench score. So I didn't really learn much. Now, I thought that Denver would potentially get the job done because I was basically daring Booker and Durant to combine for 75. And they did. Denver didn't play good defense. They let Booker get to his spots. They didn't really contest most of his shots all night, which is why he went 20 of 25 mm-hmm. from the floor. I thought they did a decent job on Durant. I know he got to the line, but he still went 12 of 31. You're going to live with that. But for the most part, good win for Phoenix. The Stars showed up for the game. I wasn't surprised to see a little bit of TJ Warren and Terrence Ross either. It took Monty long enough, and then Warren made a couple of big shots down the stretch there late in the fourth quarter. But when it comes to if I learned anything, I really didn't because we knew that Booker and Durant have to carry this team by themselves and they did for one game. So nothing yeah. really changed. We'll see if they can duplicate that, or I'd say repeat it another three times in this series because they're going to need to. But I dared Phoenix's supporting cast to show up. They didn't really show up. It was just Booker and Durant carrying the team. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody expected, right, that they had to have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker have a huge night, and they did last night. Um, and like you mentioned, can they do it for three more games against this Denver Nuggets team? I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I think give credit, like you mentioned, TJ Warren hit some clutch shots, uh, clutch shots down the stretch for the Phoenix Suns, had that corner three-point shot, and then he had a little uh, floater or a, a mid-range shot there uh, from the left side that he knocked down as well. Uh, he finished the game with seven points. Liddell, you mentioned it. I mean, he was... Really good off the bench in place of Aiton uh, last night. He, you know, was able to get some deflections on on passes. Um, rebounded well. He had nine rebounds um, in 22 minutes. Um, so I mean, we'll see. It's it's one game. Uh, it's think Denver still does win this series, um, but I think if if Phoenix wants a chance, they have they have to win game four. I think going down three one, going back to Denver, it's not going to be. Uh, easy task for the Phoenix Suns. But on the flip side, uh, 83 combined points between Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray last night um, just was not good enough for the uh, Denver Nuggets. But, Delonte, anything from last night in this game for you? Yeah, I give credit to Monty Williams for finally coming to his senses and playing those guys, uh, especially Ross and uh, Warren, because, I mean, well, they they might not be, like, much on the defensive end, at least they space the floor Mm -hmm. and give them more options offensively. They actually look towards the basket, which is a step in the right direction. Right. So you got to keep it. So with those guys spread out, at least we've seen Ross and and, uh, Warren in the corners a lot, which means that they can run that uh, small pick and roll with Booker on one side or KD on the other, and they can't trap them because if they leave one of those guys, they got the attempts. They got great looks. I thought they just didn't make them. Um, So my rule with like great players, especially two on the same team, is that one can give you one game and the other can give you another game, and then the supporting cast has to give you one, and that's three, and then you got another combined effort to win one. So Booker, I felt like this was Booker's game to win. I feel like next game will be KD's, although he didn't play well. I thought that he was more assertive going to the rim. They realized that I think they said on the broadcast also that I mean Denver doesn't have any rim protection, so I didn't I didn't agree with how Phoenix played in the first two games. They weren't attacking. Jokic or trying to get him in foul trouble because he's the only resistance. I mean, obviously he's not the best or even close to a good defender of the rim. So mm. I thought that they just let him off the hook by shooting a lot of jump shots. Um, 
And I do think that I give the supporting cast some slack because I think that Booker and Katie sometimes dribble the ball or try to create everything for themselves instead of like getting off the ball and getting it back and getting those other guys involved. Now, I mean, the contrast to that would be that those guys aren't producing, which I can I can get behind. But at least you got to give them a shot. Like Booker for like four or five possessions in like the second and third quarter, he's dribbling like the whole shot clock. Like that's it. It's just ISO. And I mean, you got to get those guys kind of involved, get them touching the ball, moving around, because if the defense is just set looking at you, obviously it's easier to defend. Um, So I think they got to do a better job of moving the ball and get some of those other guys at least some touches so they can, you know, relocate and get the ball back. But outside of that, I thought Denver's third quarter was incredible. Um, I thought Phoenix was really in trouble when Booker picked up that fourth foul. Uh, But outside of that, Scott mentioned it, TJ hit some big shots. Um, Well, he should have picked up a fifth one earlier. I don't know how that stood as a blocking foul. I thought that was a clear charge. Yeah, picked up a fifth foul right after that, but I I thought that was a charge on Booker. Yeah, it's a home-friendly whistle. Yeah, It was a a very interesting call because Steve Javi actually disagreed with the refs for once. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, KD got to the line. Before Booker shot the free throws, he had every single uh, Phoenix Sun free throw attempt, which just goes to show how aggressive he was. See, I love the aggression of of both uh, Booker and KD. It's just that I feel like when they collapse, they can kick the ball out and, you know, swing it around. Monty has to get off of. Uh, he got to do something with Aiton. I don't know what he's gonna do. Londale gave him. Londale I mean, gave they're him. Gonna, they're gonna minutes. use Lindell more, right? I mean, Aiton. Yeah, it wasn't even just the on. bad performance. It was the pouting on the bench. And if you listen to some of the sound bites going around, he was like half arguing with Booker and Durant. He might have left Chris Paul hanging on a high five or something. Like, seems minor, but when you're not playing well and you're kind of being a demonstrative teammate, that's not gonna get you more playing time. No. What like Aiden's not giving them anything. Like, don't yeah, you I have don't, to try to use Landell more? Because at least he gave them a spark. Yeah, I just don't know if Landell's made to go, you know, north of like twenty-five to twenty-eight minutes. Yeah. Maybe he's good in that fifteen to eighteen minute role in spurt. So I'm not sure if he can start him. But yeah, I mean Aiden's gotta be better. Like he just that's simple simple as put, he just has to be better. Um he He's not even giving effort. That's my thing. It's okay to have bad games. I mean, things happen. You have bad games. But you see when KD, I mean, obviously not comparing to talented, but just from a player perspective, KD wasn't shooting the ball well. Started one of seven. Couldn't hit nothing. You've seen even him. He was holding his head, and Monty had to give him a little pep talk. But Aiden's just not even giving enough effort. Like, it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of skill to be able to just at least crash the glass or, you know, fight for a ball. He's just standing watching. I thought Londale gave them a lot of toughness. Um, even around the basket, I mean, he was fighting for rebounds, making Joker at least work and not having him just grab the ball and put it over like Aiton's a toddler. So, yeah, yeah I just I think he's got to find something with Aiton. But other than that, I mean, I think Phoenix is, is in a good spot. I think KD has a good game next game, and they uh, even it up at 2-2. All right. Um, before we get into the schedule here for tonight, let me tell everyone about Underdog Fantasy. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes, plus plenty of ways to win with NBA, NHL, and MLB with their player prop parlays. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. 
The Kentucky Derby is today and the Notorious OTB brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network for all your triple crown bets. Plus, leave a review for the show wherever you get your podcast between now and Belmont Saturday, June the 10th, and you'll be entered into a drawing to win a canvas print of the Wolf's one-of-a-kind Fallen Bob painting. It's post time and there's still time. We have a bonus contest exclusively on the SGPN app. Winner gets a $100 SGPN gift card today for the Kentucky Derby. All right, guys, let's get into the uh, two games here tonight um, for the NBA playoffs. First game is going to be a 3.30 Eastern start. We've got the New York Knicks. They are in South Beach here tonight to take on the Miami Heat. Miami Heat right now are currently are a four-point home favorite. Total is sitting at 209. Did see the New York Knicks even up the series in game two. Um behind Jalen Brunson's incredible performance. Josh Hart had a great game as well, but now the series shifts to Miami. Jimmy Butler is on track to play here today uh, for the Miami Heat. Right now, Heat minus four. Scott, why don't you lead us off for this game? What are you thinking about the uh, Knicks and Heat in game three here? I'm going to lean to Miami, personally. Uh, Even though the Knicks did win game two, I would say that I wasn't overly impressed. I feel like I'm not alone on that one, uh, that Miami leading from a decent amount of the game despite missing basically three starters wasn't exactly an impressive showing for the Knicks. But once again, they got the job done. Maybe some officiating helped out, but that's part of the sport. It is what it is. So I do think with Jimmy Butler being back, Miami, of course, is going to look like the much better team. And I do think at the end of the day, when you're looking at Butler, who seemed to be in good spirits on the bench, and it seems like according to reports, the ankle sprain wasn't as severe as initially thought. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be in line for a pretty good game. Miami supporting cast has been solid so far in the postseason. Mostly Gabe Vincent, uh, who's been very good. Lowry's been solid, especially defensively at times. Martin's been good in spurts. I do think that the supporting cast for Miami has outplayed New York's bench at this point. Kind of a slight dig there by me at quickly, who has really not played well in the playoffs whatsoever. And yeah. he was one of the finalists for six man of the year. Josh Hart's a good player. No way around it. I mean, I've mentioned it for several months on this pod. But I do think that Miami, with Butler back, I think they'll be able to come out and take another series lead here. The argument is, well, what if Butler doesn't look great? Or maybe he looks a little bit rusty. Maybe it's just the fact that it's Jimmy Butler and and he was doing all the nodding and all the villain stuff in MSG. I kind of believe him. Like, I think he's going to play well. I think that he's relatively healthy. But it's mostly just back in Miami at home. The Knicks, I still don't think, are a good offensive team. Randall in the playoffs has kind of been out of sorts. Brunson's been up and down, but he had a couple, he had a good game last time out. Yeah, I am in a link to Miami, though. I do think that at home, maybe the crowd won't show up until halftime, but when they do, the atmosphere is <laughs> going to be good. So I'm going to go with Miami. I think they'll find a way to get it done. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can forecast or see um, the three-point shooting continuing for the New York Knicks like it, they had in game two. Um, you were, or you got uh, six of 10 from Brunson. Okay, Brunson, I think can get it done, but RJ Barrett was five of nine from three-point line. I know he's been shooting it a little bit better, but... He had like um, 15 Julie, points in the first half, and then he didn't, I mean, the first quarter. He didn't really yeah, do he anything to see again. Yeah. Uh, Julius Randle was three of nine as well, so... Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I do like uh, Heat here. I like them early as well, first quarter, first half in this game. Um, but, Lante, what do you got for this game? Miami Heat hosting the Knicks in game three. 
Yeah, I love Miami uh, here in lane of four. Like Scott said, I don't trust the New York offense, especially on the road. So in the road games, they score 101, 90, and 106 uh, against Cleveland. Now, Cleveland, it can be debated that they're – well, obviously it can't be debated because they were the better defensive team than Miami. But the playoffs are a different thing. And even in those 101 and 106s, it took some late free throws to get them over that number. So they probably would like – under 100 in all three row games. So I don't trust their offense, especially in the half court. They're not, they're not doing anything. He's doing a good job of basically building a wall whenever Brunson has the ball and they're just trying to make him shoot. Or if he wants to drive, they're trying to make him, you know, finish over guys. The, the RJ Barrett stuff is interesting. I mean, he's playing as well as I've ever seen him. Um, I guess he, uh, I guess I stopped betting on him and then he wants to go off, but I think the Knicks won the free throw battle in the uh in game game two, 30 to 17. I think that will change a lot with Jimmy Beck, who shoots probably about 10 per game in the playoffs. Um in game one, Miami won the free throw battle 29 to 20. So I think that has a lot to do with how Miami wants to play, especially on the offensive end. Um Jimmy just when he's back, when he's like in the game, he just changes a lot of things. In game one, they didn't have the I mean game two, they didn't have the closer. Uh to be able to close the Knicks out. And I thought that was where he was missed the most. Miami's actually uh, turning the ball over, well, uh, turning the Knicks over, thriving off points off turnovers. They have 22 uh, points off turnovers in both games. Also taking care of the ball to the limited New York's chances to take advantage in their, of their mistakes, like in transition. Uh, New York has single digit uh, points off turnovers in both games. So I think Miami is a great spot here. I wouldn't be surprised if they blow the Knicks out, to be honest. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, like I mentioned, I do like Miami here early and often. Um, I think Jimmy could have been out there if he wanted to for game two, but I think just for mm-hmm. precautionary reasons, they held him out. Uh, you know, Scott mentioned that he looked like he was in good spirits on the bench there. He was engaged with his teammates. You know, he was standing up, you know, coaching a little bit here and there as well. So, um, you know, with Jimmy back, I mean, you've got to give a lot of credit to the surrounding players as well uh, for the Miami Heat, especially mm-hmm. in game two or the way – you know, Caleb Martin chipped in with 22 points, gave Vincent, you know, continues to be really good for this team as well. Max Drews contributed as well. So, um, you know, now you get your leader back. Now you get your best player back. I think, you know, that they'll, they're in a good spot here today, I think, um, on their home floor to get this job done. So I'm with you guys. Um, team right here on Miami minus four. Let's get over to the total here, 209. Uh, Scott, what do you think about the total? I think I'm going to keep going with the under. Uh, Delonte already mentioned that the Knicks on in the on the road so far this postseason have not exactly been great at yeah. uh, scoring. I think that once again they'll probably struggle. They've been shooting better from three than I thought they would, but some of that was at the end when Josh Hart was literally left wide open on basically three straight possessions to hit corner threes. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm going to lean to the under. I do think that he'd bring it defensively, especially with Butler being back. We know how good he can be defensively, and I do think that. Really, until I see the Knicks put together a great showing offensively on the road, I think I'm just going to lean to the unders on them. So I think the Knicks might drag the total down by themselves, but I'm going to lean to the under. Uh, Delonte? Yeah, I'll lean to the over. Um, Both home games went over in round one for Miami. They played with more tempo, and they shot shot decent on the road. Um, I guess they shot 33 and 35% from three. Um, in New York, but at home in round one, they shot 40, 41 and 44. Uh, so they'll get more, more open shots from the role players uh, who obviously shoot better at home and they'll get better looks with Jimmy on the floor. I'm um, kind of with Scott. I probably won't bet the over. I just lean that way thinking that 
at least New York can get to 90, 95. And I think Miami can score, you know, 115, 120-ish at home. So I'll lean to the over. Probably would be better to take a Miami team total over as far as, like, my handicap of this game goes. So I'll lean over. Definitely would be on the over for the Miami team total. Yeah, that was uh, the one play I did like was the Miami Heat team total over. Um, They've gone over 106.5 in every game except for one which was game two without Jimmy Butler. They scored mm-hmm. 105. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you mentioned, the two home games against Milwaukee, 121-119, they shot the ball well those two games. Um, Milwaukee's better defensively too. Yeah, so <clears throat> I leaned full game under, uh, but if you wanted to play an over, I do think that Miami does at least score 107 points here today mm-hmm. um, in this matchup. Maybe like a 108-99 type of final. I think that's that's definitely a possibility here today. That. Uh, let's get over to some player props in this game, guys. Uh, Delonte, what do you got? Yeah, I like Duncan Robinson over one and a half threes. It's at even money. Um, he's over in four to seven playoff games, including three. Uh, he hit three in the last game in New York. Uh, as long as the minutes are there, uh, I think – this is a little bit short. Even in just like 20 minutes played, he had those three in game two. At home, he'll probably be more comfortable, and the attempts will the attempts will be there. He's averaging about four and a half attempts per game in the playoffs. I mean, like everything, Butler being back shifts everybody's role back down, so they don't have to do as much. So I'd assume he benefits from the driving kicks when Jimmy Butler's at the free throw line and the screen and roll so, and some transition threes. So I like him, Duncan Robinson, over one and a half threes at even money. Uh, I like Kevin Love, 14 and a half points and rebounds over. I like the spacing he provides uh, on offense when Jimmy's on the floor, but Bam's off. So he's more in that small ball five lineup. Uh, he seems to always be like open in half court looks, and uh, he rebounded the ball pretty well against the Heat. And they'll, I mean, against the, uh, the Knicks, and they'll need him to do that after being out rebounded 50 to 34 last game. But, you know, he was dealing with a little bit of foul trouble. Uh, and somehow he still ended up with, you know, 14 points plus rebounds. Uh, he's been right at the edge of this number in the previous six games. So uh, I think this afternoon he gets a near double-double here. Uh, so I wouldn't be afraid to sprinkle on a double-double for Kevin Love also. Uh, one more, like Josh Hart, under 10.5 points. Scott mentioned the open threes that he that he got. Uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure they'll be happy to give him those. Uh, he's not shooting the ball well from three. With Butler back in the lineup, he's likely to be more focused defending and scoring. Uh, he went over in the last game due to some late game free throws and the, and the open threes that he had off offensive rebounds. Um, on the road, he's only played one solid game and still averaging 8.6 in road games uh, this postseason. I think Miami limits his offensive putback opportunities, which is the reason why they lost in game two and do a better job defending him. And uh, we'll see something similar to what we saw in game one with him. So under 10 and a half for Josh Hart. Love it. A uh, couple that I'm on, I'm going to continue riding my guy, um, Gabe Vincent. He's had at least four three-pointers in three straight games. He's had at least four in uh, the two first two games here against the Knicks. He's gone up 12 attempts uh, from three-point land alone in three straight games, exactly 12, actually. Um, and he's really contributive. And with you know Jimmy in the lineup or without Jimmy in the lineup, it's at 2.5 at minus 135 for his threes. He's also been getting the assist as well. Um, the numbers, I think, is at 4.5 is last what I saw for Gabe Vincent. Um but he's had five or more assists in four straight playoff games here for the Heat as well. Um, so those were the two one that I was looking at. And then also uh, Isaiah Hardenstein to have over half a block or at least get one block. That's a minus 105. I think he's had one in four straight games. 
um, for the New York Knicks, you know, getting those minutes, whether it's behind Julius Randle or Mitchell Robinson, he's making the most of it. He's able to, you know, rebound the basketball. He's able to uh, at least get a, a block shot in the minutes that he is playing. I know couple of games against Miami or in game one, he only played 14 minutes. Um, and then against the Cavs in the series clinching game, he only played 12 minutes, but five straight games. He's had recorded at least one block for the uh, New York Knicks. So um, I'm going to go with that as one of my player props as well here. Scott, what are you looking at for player props? Yeah, my favorite player prop is going to be Butler rebounds. Uh, just simply put, it's at six and a half. The number feels a bit low. Uh, we know that he's been more, I'd say focused on helping the team rebound, especially after that playing game against Atlanta. Uh, but looking at the last couple of games for Butler, the only game he's played in this, in this Knicks series, he had 11, had eight in the final game against Milwaukee, had nine in the game before that against Milwaukee. Six and a half feels a little bit low. They're going to need him to help out on the boards, and I do think Butler's going to play a lot of minutes. So I'm going to go with uh, Butler rebounds over six and a half. That number feels a little bit conservative. All right. Uh, let's get over to the second game of the night. It's going to be a, I think it's either 8 Eastern or 8.30 Eastern. 8.30 Eastern. It'll start um, 30 minutes late regardless. That's just how they yeah. do it. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers. Game three in L.A. tonight. Uh, series tied up at 1-1. to We saw the Lakers win game one. Uh, Warriors bounced back very nicely in game two. Now we head to L.A. for game three here. Currently, I am seeing the line is sitting at minus three, <clears throat> excuse me, in favor of the home team, the LA Lakers. Total is at 228. Uh, Delonte, lead us off for this game. We have the Lakers, uh, three point favorite at home against the Warriors. Yeah, so I'm going to play Golden State here plus the points. Um, LeBron, they wasted a good LeBron effort. Uh, he carried the Lakers early and only help he got was from Rui. I know the talk was about Anthony Davis, so I'm not going to you know belabor the point, but he's yet to have a back-to-back 20-point game in the playoffs. Well, that means he is due, though, for about yeah. 35. So that means and, tonight right, he's going right. to go for like 40 and 20. Right, so it's going to be one of those uh, things that sports books um, tweet out and say 99% of the bets are on 80s over, and he'll probably go under. Um, but, yeah, I think Golden State unlocks something with that that small ball lineup and inserting a Jermichael Green into the lineup. And they also did something that they should have been doing the entire playoffs was letting Steph initiate the offense more. I know they kind of want to preserve him for where he's off the ball more, but I think he like, exerts less energy when he's actually on the ball uh, versus running around through those screens, and he's giving them more looks. So uh, according to Second Spectrum, 22 pick and rolls ran by Curry as the ball handler in game one in 38 minutes. He ran 24 in 30 minutes in the second game, and we saw the outcome of how that looked, especially with his assist total. Um, so I'll get to that later for sure. And uh, I got to give – Darvinham a little bit of credit for, you know, at least trying some new things on Steph and Clay. It didn't work, but at least he tried something new to give him a different look. Um, one thing I would like to see him do is turn to Beasley and Walker a little more, uh, especially with their ability to shoot and create. And they're not good defensively, but at least they're more physical than with Austin Reeves because Austin Reeves has struggled um, in this series so far. I, I like going to stay here. I think if they're going to get a – a win, I think it'll be here, um, d- depending on how the Lakers uh, treat this game. I think they're obviously going to come out fired up. I'll be on them in the first quarter. But I'd like going to State uh, plus the points in the game. Scott? 
I'm really torn on this one because I do expect a much better defensive effort from the Lakers at home, and we've seen how good they are defensively at home so far this postseason. However, the problem that I have is with Golden State going small, I really do think the Lakers have a hard time matching up defensively. And if Clay's going to wake up and shoot this well, I don't think he's going to shoot this well again. Like I think he's going to shoot fine, but he shot out of his mind in the last game. Yeah. The thing that they really can't, I'd say, fix is just Curry's impact on every player on the court. And in game one, they had Vanderbilt, who was being a pest, full court pressing him the whole way through, trying to deny him the ball. They didn't do any of that in game two. I think they'll go back to that in game three. But Curry had double-digit assists. He really didn't have to shoot much, and there were guys wide open the entire game. Draymond being the screener helped out a lot, but it was really, whether it was because of illness or because of matchup, benching Looney really did a lot for that team. And the Warriors were able to use their speed advantage to create a lot of mismatches and a lot of openings uh, through the Lakers' defense. I'm hoping AD plays better. Draymond was great defensively in game two. I know that AD wasn't fully engaged, but Draymond still did a great job, even as a rebounder, as a roller to the rim. I thought he was solid. Jermichael Green was great, as you said before. Even though initially I was going to lean to the Lakers, I think I have to take the points with the Warriors. Just based on the the conflicting styles, I do feel like taking points blindly in a decent amount of these games might be the move because it's a matter of which style is going to reign supreme when they clash against each other. Golden State just has the three-point shooting, and I feel like they have the spacing. The Lakers offensively still aren't a great shooting team. LeBron was great for a half, and then, of course, the game got ugly and they pulled them. But the problem is, once again, AD, he's 50-50 on if he's actually going to show up offensively or not. Do you like the overall scoring options for the Lakers when it comes to kind of trading twos for threes? Because that strategy is not going to work. And if the Warriors are going to shoot this well, they have no chance. I don't think any team has a chance if they shoot that well from three. Yeah, the thing with me is I don't think the I don't think the Warriors had a a good game. I mean, I think they had a good individual game from Clay and um, Draymond played well. Like you know, obviously his stuff is not going to show up in the sh- in the stat sheet, but like what he does defensively and how he anchors the defense is, has a lot to do with that. But I mean, I'm I'm afraid for the Lakers that you know Steph is going to have his patent game like. So I don't know. Like he didn't play well. He he played well. I mean, passing the ball and distributing. But well, the game plan was we're not letting Curry beat us. He's like, all right, I'll get twelve assists. Like it's not a right. big deal. But yeah, at, so. at some point, at some point, it's gonna it's gonna break. The the back's gonna break, and they're they're not gonna be able to to handle it. Curry's gonna Curry's gonna get him his looks. He's gonna get him his looks. So I'm worried that I'm worried that the Lakers aren't disciplined enough to be able to handle him for this whole series. So I think Steph might have a, a big game tonight. Um, I don't know what you think, Munoz. Yeah, I think that if you kind of go back to game two and you take a look at the box score, right, they were 21 of 42 from three-point land. Um, Jermichael Green, three of six. He played 13 minutes. I don't think that's going to happen again. Um, But I think it's going to come to a point where the Lakers' defense is going to have to do a a better job of closing out on these three-point shooters. I mean, like Scott mentioned, it's like you're trading threes for twos, and that was the case in game one as well. Um, But the Lakers got enough stops for them to win that game and pull it out in game one. Um, So I think for for game three, we're waiting for that Steph Curry game, 
And I think we we have a lot more, you know, the guys because it turned into a blowout. A lot of games, or a lot of the players didn't play heavy minutes, right? Like right, AD, right. thirty three minutes. LeBron, mm-hmm. twenty eight. But even on the on the Golden State Warriors side, thirty uh, thirty minutes for Steph Curry. No starter played more than thirty one minutes. Clay Thompson mm-hmm. played thirty one. So I expect to see some type of shooting regression from Clay Thompson as well. I mean, like Scott said, he's what six of he made six in the first game, and then eight of eleven in game two. Look for another um, six piece, man. My guy, Clay. I was, hit, t- eight, I was trying to tell Scott. I was trying to tell Scott yeah. about Clay this series, man. But also, like we saw that that the Lakers are double teaming uh, Steph Curry, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, we saw it earlier because it was, the game was really out of hand in that third quarter. But mm-hmm. they were like, okay, make somebody else beat you right now for at least game one and two, or at Clay least game two in particular when they did one. It was Clay, like you know, mm-hmm. uh, Lante mentioned. So I think it's going to be a interesting defensive strategy on what. Lakers do because like Scott mentioned, like there's different type of lineups that the Golden State Warriors can throw at you mm-hmm. to propel them to win these games and possibly win the series. But I think you'll get a better game here tonight from Anthony Davis for sure. You know, we've talked about it on the pod that he has one great game, he has one bad game, and the next game he has an incredible game. And again, um, like I mentioned, no heavy minutes were played. So I'm expecting a big game here out of AD here tonight and LeBron as well. LeBron, sure, 23 points, but you know, we're you know, we we we're we're capable of him scoring 30 to 35 points if he needs to. But I, you know, I've been a proponent of this since Lakers made the trade, especially in the playoffs that they've had guys step up in the playoffs. Um, Rui Achimura, 21 points in, in game two. So it's more on the defensive side of what adjustments Darvin Ham and that team makes uh, for this team to combat kind of the three point scoring or shooting of the golden state warriors. So um, I'm leaning here with the warriors as well. Um, I think that Scott's right that I think the Lakers come out in the first half and then we see a typical Warriors third quarter and then they maybe pull away in the fourth quarter or do at least get the outright victory here. So I'm going to take the points here as well. I don't love it uh, at plus three, but let's get over to the total here, guys. That number is currently sitting at 228. Scott, what do you got for the total? For me, I think I'm going to lean to the under. I don't feel great about the total. I know it technically went under in game two, even though that really just should have gone over easily. <laughs> I have to assume the Lakers go back to some of the their roots when it comes to just defensive ideas, because in game one, they were very active with trying to make Golden State go a full 90 feet. And it seemed like in game two, they were letting Curry dribble the ball up. There was no resistance. They were getting to whatever spot they want. The Lakers have to make the game ugly. They can't just have a voluntary up-and-down, fun, fast-paced game with the Warriors because they're going to kill them if they do. So I see the Lakers really having Vanderbilt try to deny ball on inbounds. I think they'll try to slow down Golden State. The Lakers offensively are probably going to play mostly in the half court. I'm going to lean to the under. I I just think that the Lakers, the main adjustment they're going to have to make is really trying to slow the pace down. And it felt like Golden State was really just dominating the tone and the overall tempo of the game as soon as it started. I'm going to lean to the under. I'm going to hope that the Lakers make some adjustments and really try to slow down Golden State. That should be the main focus or objective for them in this game. I'm going to lean to the under. I'm hoping for a bit more of a rock fight or more of a physical battle than it was in game two. So I'm going to lean to the under. Fair enough. Uh, Delonte. Total. Yeah, I pretty much echo everything Scott just said. I think the Lakers have to slow down the pace. They can't they can't run with, with Golden State in transition. They just don't have the guys to be able to be disciplined enough or 
uh, capable of, of guarding for the entire shot clock to be able to withstand some of the things that Golden State does. I thought that Golden State pushed that pace in the first uh, in the first game at the end when they made that comeback, and they just rolled that over in the game too and just continued to push and transition as much as they could. Uh, three of the last uh, four playoff games, well, home playoff games, including the play-in, have went under for the Lakers. So it's obvious they're under team at home. I think they come out play a little bit better defensively. Uh, some shooting regression could be coming for Golden State. So I think that the Lakers try to pound the ball in the AD, um, slow these guys down, get them in foul trouble. Uh, we've seen Steph have both. Was he in foul trouble in both games? If I'm not mistaken, I know it for sure was in one game. But uh, game two, he finished up with. Mm. Game two, he had some foul trouble. Game yeah, one, he only had three. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he got into early felt. Yeah, okay, that's what it was. It kind of calmed down after right. that, but he right. still had to go to the bench for a decent right. amount. That's, of what, the first that's half. what I'm thinking of. That's what yeah. I'm thinking about. Yeah, but I think that we're trying to put him in pick and rolls uh, to make him defend. He's done a decent job defending. Um, but yeah, I think the under is, is going to be a good look here, especially with the Lakers trying to dictate that pace. All right. Um, yeah, I didn't have much for the total here. I'd probably look at a first half under. Um, especially with the Lakers at home, like Delonte mentioned. Um, and typically they've been an under team as well at home. So and this number spot on. I mean, we saw game one finish with 229 points, game two, uh, 227. Uh, I know there's only like two points scored in like the final four minutes, some change um in game two, but I mean this number seems pretty much spot on uh for this total. Let's go over to some player props in this game here. Uh Scott Lebstoff and Fanny have any player props that you like for this game. Do I dare trust Anthony Davis? That's yes. that's really the question. <laughs> um, rebounds, I think. I hope so, because once again, Looney, either for illness purposes or just based on the lineup matchup, he Looney probably shouldn't play as much. So right. AD should have a lot of rebounding opportunities. I think I'm just going to go with LeBron points. I, okay. I feel like he definitely showed that the Warriors once again have an issue guarding him. Game one, I thought that he was a little bit passive, even though they won the game anyway because AD was so dominant. Game two, LeBron was on pace pace for a classic 35-point game. The problem was the game turned into a blowout, and at that point, I could tell the mental focus wasn't there. LeBron started yelling at every call for the officials. Like I I could tell LeBron (laughs) just wasn't fully focused. Down 30, the game was over. But I'm going to look at LeBron over in points. He still had what, like 21 points in the first half of game two? Yeah. yeah I think he had like he was playing in well. the first quarter. Yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I think he's going to have to show up for this game because I don't know if he can fully rely on AD again. But LeBron is always going to be a matchup problem, even at this stage in his career. And I do think at the end of the day, you're looking at his point total, which I think might be a little bit low. I think it might be one of those games where you might actually benefit from the game flow in game two because you're going to look at the numbers and go, oh, LeBron only had 23 points. Well, kind of. I mean, he was on pace for like 30-something, and then the game got ugly, and he didn't play the fourth quarter. So it might be a good opportunity to actually capitalize on a low line because of the misleading final score line of LeBron in Game 2. But LeBron's player props 26-and-a-half. I think he's in line for a 30-piece tonight. I'm going to look at LeBron over. I do think that he showed in Game 2 that Golden State's going to still have some hard times actually guarding him. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want to call it a must-win game for the Lakers, but I do expect LeBron to show up and show out in this game. I'm going to lean to LeBron over, but it's mostly because I also just can't trust Anthony Davis. So I'm hoping LeBron is a bit more aggressive and maybe takes matters into his own hands. Fair enough. Uh, Solante, player props? 
Yeah, so I like uh, three player props tonight. Well, two, I'm sorry. So I like uh, Vanderbilt over a half made three. Um, that is it keeps chalking them. Yeah, that's that's reduced at 105, so uh, some pretty good odds. You probably can get, if you want to bet one plus, probably can get plus money on that, probably plus 115-ish, if my, if my math is correct. Um, I mean, he's getting wide open looks. He's he's went over in three straight games. Uh, he's shooting around three per game in round one. Uh, but, you know, he's getting the looks, and I think that at home he'll be able to knock them down. Uh, they're they're going to leave him open, so, like, the attempts are going to be there. It's just a matter of if he wants to shoot them. So I think he'll have a lot of opportunities to shoot and make one. I think he can go one of three or one of four um, if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, sorry to do this to you, Munaf, but I'm going back to our guy, Andrew Wiggins. He let us down in game two. Um, <laughs> as, in the first quarter, I seen his body language, and I knew it was over. Like I, he didn't even he attempted two shots, and I think both yeah. of those were like putback rebounds, so they're technically not shots, but they counted in the box score. Um, yeah, he he just didn't have it, and he, that's one of the reasons why they lost game one. Uh, he just didn't have it. Uh, he he came on late in game two, but I think this game three is going to be pivotal for them. I think he has to play a big role. So I'm over twenty two and a half points and rebounds with him. He's over in six of the nine playoff games. Um, ironically, he's played better on the road. 23 and 23.8 points and rebounds at home. I mean, 23.8 rebounds and points on the road versus 21.8 points and rebounds at home. So going small helps his rebounding, like we discussed went off in, uh, I think it was on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And he should be more aggressive trying to score. Uh, didn't score in the first quarter and was being passive early on. Uh, generally performs well against LA, uh, but he just failed to do so at home. I think he puts the imprints on the, he puts his imprints on his game and. Could be a sneaky double double pick, uh, also. So I like Andrew Wiggins over 22 and a half points and rebounds. Yeah, there's a lot of player props that stuck out to me here. Uh, I do think Anthony Davis does bounce back here. His points and rebounds are at 38 and a half here for tonight. Um, I want to get behind Rui Achimura some way, but just his, his minutes distribution has just been kind of it's been up and down. I mean, uh, yeah. He usually plays about 22 minutes per game, 21 minutes per game. Game one, he only played 11. He looked really good in game two. Yeah, he only played 11 minutes in game two. I don't know why. Or sorry, in game one. I don't know why he's not getting more minutes. Um, But I I think I'm going to have to wait on that one. But I think Anthony Davis was the only one that really stuck out to me uh, for at least his points and rebounds here today. uh, There there was one more prop that I was going to take that I forgot to mention before. Give me the pool under. For points, <laughs> I, I I can't. I, well, he only I, played I, sixteen one, minutes in game two. I mean, it was a blowout as well. But I think his number, his minutes are definitely going down. Well, he also had five fouls. Yeah, and a couple of them were offensive. There were, I think, two separate occasions in the game he checked into the game and picked up an offensive foul in the first possession. I think it yeah. happened twice in game two, where he was on the court for less than ten seconds and he just shoved somebody and got an offensive foul on two occasions. I mean, I, I feel like I've slandered Poole a lot in the playoffs, and it's been warranted. He was very good in game one. Then he ruined it with that shot at the end. And then game two, you could tell he clearly was just not serious, and he was kind of just messing around. At some point, I'm, I'm worried Kerr's just going to slap him because, like, he's driving them crazy. <laughs> like, I I don't know how you're supposed to rely on this guy in a game-in, game-out basis. He, he just does so many dumb things he also can't guard anybody. So in addition to the foul trouble that he got himself into with some offensive fouls, he's giving up free back cuts all the time, and he's losing mm-hmm. his assignment all the time. Mm-hmm. Golden State at some point is going to tell him, like, we can't use you. I know that he gives them three-point upside, and he helps the bench scoring out, but 
at the end of the day, if you're not going to give much offensively on a regular basis, and we know for a fact you can't guard anybody, I got to question his minutes. And I do think it's extremely concerning for Poole especially when he barely plays in game two, has no impact, and Golden State still dominates because DiVincenzo and some of the other guys stepped up off the bench. I just think that Poole's minutes might be reduced. I don't trust the shooting as well. Give me the under. His point totals at what fourteen and a half? Yeah, I think that's I think that's low, man. Really? You think man, that's low, man? Because listen, you were underestimating the power of of the women that are going to be at this LA game. Uh, they're probably on Melrose in Rodeo right now. Well, that was the main takeaway. That was one of the underrated takeaways, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, for yeah. Game Two, uh, it was either the Batty theory is a myth, or Zendaya is actually mid. And some people have to discuss which is the case because Poole no showed and Zendaya was in the crowd. That's a separate, he, you know, topic of conversation. He, I think he knew he he had no shot at her, so he he didn't just perform saying, well. You know, yeah. just saying. In, that, in LA, uh, I think he Zendaya yeah, I mean, I think, being there might have resulted in a couple of conclusions. One of them might be the baddie theory not actually being a thing. It's so. gonna be put. It's gonna be put to the test tonight for sure. Okay. Oh God. Uh, I mean, yeah, Poole hasn't gone. I mean. He's gone over. What was it fourteen and a half? And well, I mean, he's, he did it in in Sacramento, but that was a completely different series where the pace was just ridiculous in that game. Did have twenty one in game one against the Lakers, but I mean, I think he. If there was a foul prop, man, we would just take the over on that every single day for. I would. I think, I think the turnovers. He had two offensive foul turnovers without the ball. But. Yeah, but surprisingly, his turnovers have. He hasn't had more than two in the playoffs thus far. Uh, it's really been, yeah, it's like he's getting only one, but again, the minutes aren't uh, as heavy as he, she was playing when uh, during the regular season as well. So, all right, uh, let's get over to our lock and dog for this Saturday schedule. Uh, Scott, why don't you lead us off? All right. Uh, so for my lock, I'm just going to go back to what I think the game flow is going to be in game three of that next game. I'm going to go with the Knicks team total under. They have not been particularly good on the road offensively. Yes, I know they won a couple road games against Cleveland, but the offense still wasn't great. Miami gets Butler back. We know that he's one of their better defensive players. The Knicks shot the ball well, at least better than we thought they would in the latter stages of game two. Do you have to just toss out game two in a way because just Butler wasn't there? Like I don't know how I'm supposed to take away anything from the Knicks with Butler not being in the lineup for Miami. But in game one, we saw the Knicks get off to a really good start in the first quarter. And then offensively, they looked like they were in quicksand for the final three quarters. So I'm going to go with the Knicks team total under. I think Miami brings it defensively, especially at home. And I think you're going to end up seeing the Knicks struggle to put the ball in the basket for a decent amount of this game. Brogdon was really good in game two. I think you'll see some regression there. Randall, I'm still not sure if I fully trust him or not. But the Knicks team total right now is 102.5, which sounds low, but I think it's low for a good reason. I'm going to take the Knicks team total under 102.5 as my lock. Okay. And your dog? My dog is going to be, I'm trying to think if I want to take Golden State on the money line, uh, which I'm tempted by because I do think matchup wise, they might have found something in game two. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm not going to bother stalling that much. Give me the Warriors money line. I wanted to make a case for the Lakers. I think initially in the series, I had the Lakers in six just mm-hmm. because I like their supporting cast more and their consistency. But going small really just changed everything for Golden State. And once again, we're relying 
on Anthony Davis to show up because it's every other game. But there's always the chance AD just isn't mentally there because he's being dragged out to guard pick and rolls. Draymond gets downhill. The Lakers are going to trade twos for threes, and that's a really dangerous recipe. And I roasted Philly for doing the same thing against Boston about a day or two ago. So I'm going to keep the same energy. I'm going to take the Warriors' money line. I, I just think that the Lakers have a hard time matching up with this team. Darvin Ham, I know he made some adjustments or he's capable of it, but I'm not sure if that's going to work out because Kerr's going to make adjustments too. Give me Golden State money line. I'm going to have faith in Curry having a very solid game, and I do have questions about the Lakers supporting cast or even just their defensive integrity in this game. I'm going to lean to Golden State as my uh, dog. All right. Uh, Delonte, what do you got? Yeah, so for the lock, I'm going with the Lakers laying one in the first quarter. They are plus 43 in the first quarter at home. Um, and also that even in game that two, that was the only quarter they won. Yeah, if you yeah. filter out the 35 to nine Memphis first quarter, they're still plus 17. Uh, they were plus five in the Golden State series, uh, at, in Golden State. Um, so after that second half effort, uh, I, well, I guess the third quarter effort, I would expect some urgency early on from the Lakers, and they come out with a little bit more fire under them. So I love that play. Uh, I was going to go somewhere else with my lock. Munaf, if you can find me a Jordan Poole 20 plus, what can I get for that? Uh, I know it was see. six to one in game one. That's not going to happen again. It's probably going to be yeah, close. I, I, like I, ca- I cashed that with I cash uh, yeah, plus five fifty. Yeah, plus five fifty. I'm assuming uh, it's going to be close to three to one. But let me pull it up. Pool. I don't see him listed at DraftKings. Let's let try. I didn't see it on uh, DraftKings. Pool is four to one. Yeah, give me give me that as as my big dog, small dog. I'll go with. Uh, Duncan Robinson over one and a half threes. That's still an even money. So got two. By the way, I didn't mention the Warriors money line. I'll take it plus one thirty-five. All right, so I'm going with the Jordan um, Poole fatty lock of the of the night. There you go. Uh, all right, for my lock, I'm going to go with the uh, Heat in the first half. Currently, see that number at minus two. Um, I know they get off to a bit of a slow start in the first quarters. Um, but second quarter, they've been really good. I think that's where the depth really does come in for this uh, Miami Heat team. Um, and again, we talk about in-game adjustments. Coach Bo is the best, if not one of the best, that gets that done. And um, I think they come out and play well in the first half at home. Um, you know, we talked about you get Jimmy Butler back. Your role players, their gameplay is elevated a little bit uh, more at home, uh, knocking down shots and things like that. So... Um, I think the Heat come out and play well, at least in the first half. I know we like a full game as well, but minus two in the first half for me as my lock. Uh, for my dog, I'm just going to parlay or do a same game parlay in that Knicks Heat game. So Isaiah Hardenstein uh, to have one block, gave Vincent three or more three pointers. And then Gabe Vincent five or more assists. That comes out to plus six fifty. Um, Vincent has just been really good over the last three games um, for the Miami Heat. He, like I mentioned, he's getting up exactly twelve three point attempts in all three uh, of the last uh, three games in the playoffs. He's done it in both games against the New York Knicks. In the first two games of this series, he's knocked down at least four, I believe, in three straight games as well. He's also getting the assists done, and the, the minutes are there for him as well. So I've uh, been a huge Gabe Vincent guy this uh, postseason, like I mentioned, with Isaiah Harnstein when he does come in. Five straight games, he's at least recorded one block for the New York Knicks in the playoffs. So 
All three of those come out to plus 650. So that's Gabe Vincent, five or more assists. Gabe Vincent, three or more re, uh, sorry, three or more three pointers. And Isaiah Hartenstein, at least to have one block shot, plus 650. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Um, two games on the Saturday schedule here. Uh, Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here, buddy? Not really. Uh, looking forward to the games tonight. Looking forward to, yeah, pretty busy, pretty busy day in sports. You have a title fight in the UFC. You have some horse racing. I know FanDuel's giving out a $20 free bet. I can't wait to lose those $20, but at least it's free. <laughs> uh, besides that, though, yeah, looking forward to the sports day and sports weekend in general. Should be fun. Delonte, uh, anything else? That's it, man. Uh, I hope those baddies getting ready to go see my guy Jordan Poole put up 25 tonight. <laughs> Jessica Alba probably not going to be in attendance. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I really like how the gravity of Poole's baddie theory resulted in people pretending that Alba was in a different part of the country than she actually was. She was in New York, and yeah, I think she I was in New York, and everyone's like, you know, she was courtside at the at the uh, Lakers. Yeah, like, no, yeah. she wasn't. She was actually on the other <laughs> side of the country, about three time zones away. But uh, all right, guys, uh, make sure to subscribe to the NBA Gambling Podcast YouTube channel if you haven't already. Hit that like button for us before you guys get out of here. It really helps us um, grow the show on YouTube as well. Uh, if you're listening on your podcast player, if you haven't already left us a rating and review. Please do so. It really helps us grow the show um, and look make us look good as well. Uh, Terrell and Lante will be back for you at some point for t- two games tomorrow uh, in the NBA playoffs, and then we will resume as usual next week uh, for the NBA playoffs. Uh, all right. Good luck with your bets here tonight. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball, get it, get it, get it. Oh,